This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in. It's a new Basketball U for you here on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Aki. You can follow me on Twitter at TylerAki underscore We talk basketball, college basketball, with you every single week here on the ESPN Chicago app. And boy, what a week we've had. Boy, what a week we've had with everything going on with the Alabama program, with the implications now of Brandon Miller linked to the murder of Jamia Harris in a a case that involves his former teammate Darius Miles. It has been quite the week. We've also had some stellar games as well, but... Today, we're going to bring on a special guest because one of my old roommates, one of my best friends in the entire world, you see him on ESPN, you see him on the ACC Network, Drew Carter, my old roommate at Syracuse University, and now is doing fantastic things with the Worldwide Leader. He joins us now here on Basketball U. Drew also is the perfect person to bring on for this as well because you spent a, a couple of years in Birmingham, Alabama, before you did join ESPN. So you're familiar with Alabama basketball. You're familiar with NATO. It's the program and all that stuff. But, I mean, we've been hosting shows together, what? Going back to our college days, Drew, we've been doing shows together for what now? Like six years, I want to say? I mean, too long, man. (laughs) We we both feel old. You mentioned we're roommates. I think we're like four or five-time roommates because we've got – yeah, school years and summers in Syracuse, which definitely builds character, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. And yeah, my two years in Alabama, uh, I was in Birmingham, which is technically the local market for Tuscaloosa. So covered a lot of Alabama athletics, still follow a lot of Alabama people on Twitter. And the folks are talking, that's for sure. And people have differing opinions on what's going on, but it's been a wild couple of days. Yeah, we. I mean, we've hosted shows long enough to actually shut down a radio station by accident. <laughs> we did do that. We, <laughs> we did. Should, we'll talk about that at the end. All right, but let's start here. Alabama, obviously, they get the the win last night in overtime against South Carolina. Brandon Miller, who's now been implicated in these murder murder charges, or at least there's there's links to him now with him bringing the the weapon to the scene of the crime. And he goes out and plays his best game of his career with 41 points, two clutch buckets. But all right. So you're in studio yesterday during halftime of this Alabama game. And this is sort of the looming story over everything. But what, what what's been your reaction to everything that's sort of happened over these last couple of days surrounding the Alabama program? Well, Ty, I would say my reaction last night is that it was just surreal. Um, because Brandon Miller is going off playing the game of his life. He's obviously an amazing player. He'll probably be the first college player drafted um, in the upcoming NBA draft. And he's going nuts in the first half. He had 15 points in the first half to lead all scores. He had almost half of Alabama's points at that point. He actually ended up with more than half their points, 41 of their 78. And he's going nuts. And I'm like, this just feels, I don't know if wrong is the right word there or just bizarre surreal it's like here's a guy who yesterday was linked in this murder case and he is playing an unbelievable game and like celebrating and as if on the one hand as if nothing happened but on the other hand as if he's shrouded in controversy because obviously he got booed 
every time mm-hmm. he touched the ball, it probably would have happened anyway because he's like a superstar. I mean, he's been getting booed at Auburn right. uh, for months, you know? <laughs> um, and so he's getting booed every time he touches the ball. And it almost seemed to me, Ty, like he didn't even block out the noise. He actually embraced it and it made yeah. him better. Um, and he was obviously playing with an edge, but even saying that feels weird, right? Because it's right. like, who cares about basketball? Who cares? Um, so for those who don't know, Jamia Harris was the victim in this murder case. She was 23 years old. She had a son. Uh, the man who pulled the trigger was not part of the Alabama basketball team. But from what we have learned in court hearings, the guy who gave the gun to the man who pulled the trigger was part of the Alabama basketball team, Darius Miles. He was dismissed last month when all this stuff started to come out. And then we found out earlier this week that Brandon Miller drove the gun to Darius Miles, who proceeded to give it to the other guy. So, like, I know the the classic line in broadcasting is, well, they don't teach you this one in journalism school. Mm-hmm. And, like, this one certainly fits because yeah. – we went to the best possible place to learn about something like this. Not only is Syracuse like the best journalism school, but they force you to take classes where oh you have to like God. go to a courtroom and learn about all this legalese. And even then, we had no chance of learning how to navigate a situation like this. Um, because from a legal perspective, Ty, like I don't know if he did anything wrong, technically. Like I mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, is there a hockey assist for, you know? Being right. an accessory, like honestly, that sounds like a joke, but I honestly have no idea because it was in his car. He drove it to Darius Smiles. Brandon Miller, of course, his attorneys are saying he had no idea what was going to happen. But then you're like, well, why else would your buddy text you and say, hey, I need my join, which is yeah. apparently what, what the text read. So anyway, it's a, just a massive thoughts in my mind. But the bottom line is last night was just weird watching him play. Yeah. I mean, I remember, too, like I you did the studio coverage last night. And I remember when we were in school, I was doing women's basketball studio stuff for the ACC Network Extra, whatever the hell it was called when we were in school. <laughs> right. um, the day after Jim Beheim hits and kills a guy with his car. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, I'm sure it was very different for you because I remember the when I walked into that studio, the first words I heard were not a word about <laughs> Beheim. We let Sports Center handle that stuff. And I'm sure it was very different for you being at the worldwide leader as opposed to an arm like I was of, of ESPN back when uh, that happened. Well, the, the idea behind it actually wasn't that different because when you're doing those halftimes, you have like three minutes per segment tops. Plus, we had a lot of highlights we wanted to get in. And and again, I mean, we can have a debate about whether or not anybody cares about Providence versus UConn and showing you the highlights of, of uh, Andre Hawkins or whatever mm-hmm. with 20 points. Like, does anyone actually care about that? Probably not in, in like in the perspective of what happened with with the Tuscaloosa strip. Um, but we just I, I don't think we had enough time to do it justice. And so. In, in a sense, we we almost entirely ignored it, um, which, again, felt really weird. And, you know, basically all you can do at that point is like issue the platitude of, you know, considering everything that's going on or um, the program shrouded in controversy without getting into any of the specifics. Uh, we just we didn't really have a chance to do that. Um, but all I can say is that it just felt weird and surreal and bizarre. And there's actually one point where. Um, during the first halftime we did, we had the uh, Cincinnati Temple game, which also went to overtime, pushing the Alabama game to ESPN News until like 
nine thirty Eastern, which I'm sure everyone was really. Upset. I'm sure there were plenty of people in like Clanton, Alabama, trying to figure out where ESPN News is so they can watch their beloved Crimson Tide. Uh, but there was a halftime, and we showed a bomb shot, basically Brandon Miller warming up. And I said, you know, when we come back, uh, the latest on Brandon Miller. Uh, and then our producer got in my ear and he's like, well, we're not talking about that because we only have 30, we only have 30 seconds left and um, there's no time to really get into that. I'm like, okay, that's probably a good thing. All I'm going to say is that he's playing and then we'll let the game happen. Um, so it's not like we tried to avoid it on purpose. It's just, we didn't have a whole lot of time. And then I know they cleaned it up on the uh, post game show on CBB live SVP talked about it. Uh, but really, I, I'm not sure how much there is to say at this point, because we're we're still, I guess, trying to wait out the details. I mean, by all intents and purposes, it looks like he's going to play the rest of the season. And yeah. I get that. Uh, the I believe it's the Alabama or the whatever the D.A. office, the Tuscaloosa D.A. says there's nothing we can charge him with right now. Right. So that and I, of course, and I don't think that's going to change. I don't think that's yeah. going to change for what it's worth, because it's legal experts have said that he there's nothing they can charge him with, because as far as we know, he drove his car back to the Tuscaloosa Strip area uh, where Darius Miles, I guess, took the gun out of his car. And then there were gunshots in Brandon Miller's car. So I mean, we don't know all the details, but it sounds like he he's not going to be charged with anything. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I don't think that any of that is going to change. Um, but let's get to the Nate Oates side of this now, because Nate Oates is a guy who you and I, I mean, we fell in love with this dude when yeah. he was at Buffalo to, to just kind of go in the way back machine here when he was at Buffalo us being at Syracuse one of the it may have been each of our first basketball games or one of our first yeah. basketball games that we called was Syracuse against Buffalo and this is when Syracuse they they weren't some great team but they were a team that was headed to the NCAA tournament that year going up against uh Buffalo a, a little Mac school who was yeah. just kind of coming out of the the dust out of nowhere and there was this leader Nate Oates and we're reading through the game notes and he's got this rugged system of blue collar points i mean no nobody would have fit in the midwest better than Nate Oates i mean that man is made to coach big 10 basketball isn't he yeah, yes. with that blue collar <laughs> system that he's got but he's brought it to Alabama and he's made it work which I think that's the one of the interesting things when you get to know who Nate Oates is, obviously being a man from the state of Michigan too. But usually when you think of guys who institute a system like that, blue-collar points, you're getting points for diving on the floor, deflections, grabbing loose balls, all that stuff, forcing turnovers. To me, that screams discipline, right? And then to see a program off the court have this level of indiscipline you're, that you're seeing, and again, he can't babysit them 24-7, but you'd figure that some of this stuff gets drilled into these guys so much that something like this would never happen. And that's why I think for both you and I, this is really shocking to see this happen to a Nate Oates-led program. Yeah, it's surprising and it's disappointing too. Um, but I will defend Nate Oates in this sense. I, he got crushed for his press conference, which I think he gave Tuesday where he used the phrase wrong place at the wrong time, which obviously, considering what's come to light since that press conference, uh, looks awful in hindsight. And, and he admitted that after the South Carolina game. He said uh, they didn't know about the texts that Darius Miles had sent to Brandon Miller. Um, and like wrong, wrong place, wrong time looks bad when you know that Brandon Miller's car has gunshots in it. And when you know that he had Darius Miles' gun in his backseat, when he went to the Tuscaloosa Strip, yeah, it looks bad to say wrong place, wrong time. But Nate Oates didn't know any of that when he said that. 
what I've always loved about Nate Oates is how direct he is and he doesn't sugarcoat anything. If they play like garbage, he'll say that. Um, and I've always liked that about him. And, and, you know, you and I met him before he was a big name after a press conference because they played at Syracuse back to back years and the second time. And we loved him. We loved him so much after the first time that we, even though like the Buffalo game is one that like you give to younger kids, usually we jumped on it because we wanted to see Nate Oates in action again at Buffalo. We like demanded that we got to call the Buffalo game. And then afterward, we pulled him aside after his press conference and like this dude's a a college basketball coach. He could easily blown us off, had to get on the bus back to Buffalo. He stood there for like five minutes and, and talked with us and really connected with us. We're both from the Midwest and, you know, he is too. So I mean, I've loved him ever since. And honestly, part of the reason I took the job in Alabama was to cover him because I think he accepted it in April and I went down there a few months later. Um, So all that to say, it is disappointing um, because you would hope that that a program has a standard, right? And this is what John Crispin was talking about yesterday. Uh, I was in studio with Crispin on ESPN too, and he was talking about a standard. Even if Brandon Miller isn't in any quote unquote legal trouble, which again, to a legal novice like myself, I don't understand how he isn't quite frankly. I, I don't understand. I'm sure it varies by state, the level where you have to hit to become quote unquote, an accessory to murder. Um, but anyway, even if he's not in any legal trouble, the disappointing thing is that he wasn't living up to the standard that you would hope Alabama basketball has set. Um, and, Maybe, Ty, maybe like not to sound like an old man, but maybe in today's day and age, it's completely unrealistic to expect student athletes, especially guys like Brandon Miller, who are bona fide celebrities in a place like Tuscaloosa. Maybe it's unrealistic to expect them to, you know, never do anything fun that could potentially put them or other people in danger. Like, are we really going to expect him to be in bed, lights out at 830, waking up at four to Go hit the gym? Probably not. I mean, these are college kids. We didn't do that. I mean, we had, we had a show Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and we didn't go to bed early so we could wake up. I, I Sometimes we missed it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I've overslept it plenty of times. So college kids do dumb stuff, but that's not an excuse here. Um, and, and I guess I was just disappointed by what I felt like was a little bit of a, a lack of leadership from Nate Oates. And it's a, obviously an incredibly tough situation. Like we talked about, no one prepares you for anything like this, right? Like it's one thing for your player to commit a crime where it's black and white. Okay, you're done. It's another entirely for them to not commit a crime, but have everyone decide that they're guilty of something that we don't even really fully understand. Um, he also, like, if you spend enough time around Alabama, you realize that Nick Saban is actually pretty patient with players who have off the field issues. And And I actually admire him for that because he says, look, a lot of these guys grew up in tough areas and and they don't really know how to act if they get a lot of money. And this was I mean, Saban didn't say that word for word because this happened before NIL was a thing. Who knows if they were actually getting paid anyway. But, you know, if guys come from rough backgrounds and they get into trouble when they're in college, like, are we just going to say, "Okay, you're done. We're going to throw you back into the wolves and and you can go figure it out. Are we going to try to help you get through it? And. And you can try to learn some lessons from being part of a program. So I don't know. I just, I just, I was a little disappointed though with Coach Oates not holding people to a higher standard. And like, listen, at, at one level, Ty, this is pretty simple. You have gunshots in your car. Uh, the the firearm that was used to murder someone that night was in your vehicle. 
you drove it back. You were texting with a guy who is now in a court case. At, at that level, it's kind of straightforward. Um, but then the other side of it is you don't want to you don't want to kick off a guy because he's not technically in legal trouble. So it's just it's a really difficult situation. Right. And, and it's the thing like the the text messages to me were the thing that it, it just kind of makes you feel a little eerie with the whole situation yeah. here of he, he was clearly working with Darius Miles to to get him a gun and and to make sure that he had that that murder weapon with him ultimately. And, and that to me is the thing that makes me feel eerie about it. But I'm with you like as as just a fan of this Alabama program too, like watching them this year has been so fun. We've been watching them the last two, three years because they've just been a super fun program to watch. And I'm with you. Like, I feel a great level of disappointment. Like I feel yeah. let down as a, listen, I'm like a, a parachuting in Alabama fan. Right. I'm more so a Nate Oates fan as opposed to a, a program, uh, a fan of the program itself. But just seeing all this play out, that there is certain levels of disappointment that I'm feeling that I, I really haven't feel like I've felt in a while. And it's because this team's having the success that they're having. And now there's this dark cloud sort of hanging over them as we are just a few days away from March. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is something you would hope <clears throat> would never happen with any program because yeah. tragedy has struck. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we're on the same page. It's it's kind of surprising. You know, I mean, I feel like. Nate Oates is a hell of a leader, and I've I've always thought that. And I think there was a bit of Just a vacuum signed his extension too. I know, I know, and and Greg Byrne too, their athletic director, who you know I think to his credit went on the College Game Day podcast yeah. this week and and tried to answer some questions. And look, whether whether you believe Greg Byrne or not, when he says they didn't know about the texts between Darius Miles and Brandon Miller. I feel like a cynical person might say, well, of course, you're just saying that now that everyone's upset with NATO's press conference comments and you just want your best player to keep playing. I mean, they're a legitimate national title contender. Like they're, yeah. they're one of the two or three teams uh, that you would say has the best chance to win a national championship. Um, but from what I know about NATO's and Greg Byrne, you know, I, I would tend to give them the benefit of the doubt from a leadership perspective. But this has definitely been uh, a unique circumstance where I, I don't know if. Frankly, I don't know if anyone really has the right answers. Like, think about think about your favorite college basketball coach, one who you you certainly admire. Like, I think of Roy Williams. Mm -hmm. I think of Roy Williams feels like he made the right decision at every turn, pretty much. I know there was some scandal around North Carolina, but I respect that guy as much as basically any college basketball coach. Yeah. And I think about how would he handle it? And I I just go back to I don't know because this is such a unique circumstance. And I think there was probably a little bit of that element for Nate Oates, like. I don't He's know. He's a do young I, coach too. Right. Like, do I, do I want to, do I want to suspend a guy who isn't in legal trouble because he was there at the scene of the crime? Like then Nate Oates has to put on his, or he has to pull out his judge gavel. Um, but that's, that's what it takes when you're the leader of a high major college athletics program. Sometimes I think that's what you got to do. And when you, I mean, you brought it up earlier, like Brandon Miller, and I, I read something from Adam Zagoria too. He's talked with some NBA execs and agents and stuff like that. They don't think unless something else comes out, this is going to impact his draft stock at all. So for all yeah. intents and purposes, this is going to be the first college player taken off the board. And quite frankly, it's not even close right now. When you look at the type of season Brandon Miller's having, I mean, he's having one of the best seasons ever by a freshman. 19 and a half points per game, eight rebounds. He's shooting 43% from three on seven attempts. 
per game. Like he's putting together a historic level season as a true freshman. And like people are starting to draw the comparison. Like he's got some Kevin Durant in his game. He's got some Paul George in his game in terms of like the vibe of what he could do for Alabama. Like he could do for Alabama, what Carmelo Anthony did for Syracuse. That's how good he is. And that's the level of player we're talking about. That's all of a sudden wrapped up in these allegations right now. Right. Well, that that's the name I was thinking is Kevin Durant. Um, I know anytime there's a tall, skinny guy who can shoot a little bit, he's Kevin Durant. But I don't know how you feel about this, Ty. This is the first guy who I've said, okay, I actually kind of buy it. Like Brandon yeah. Ingram got some of that because mm-hmm. he's skinny and tall and played on the perimeter. Jabari Smith a little bit last year, but... I think he's. I think Brandon Miller is a little different from even those two guys. Uh, the way he scores at all three levels, um, his release to me is is just different. It's silky. It's quick. Uh, he's an amazing player. But the thing is, like, even talking about how good of a player he is, just it feels weird. Like yeah. he could have scored seventy points last night, and I still think that the game would have been absolutely secondary. And um, Again, Crispin, who I thought had some good thoughts on this, he said, you know, Brandon Miller actually had a chance to do something pretty special if he had taken himself out of the game. If Brandon Miller had said, you know what, I'm, I'm a massive distraction to the team right now. Um, while all the legal stuff unfolds, I'm going to sit out. And not only would that have been probably a better look for everyone involved, um, it actually might have solidified his draft stock because now that he's playing, I mean, he could get injured. He could start playing. He could get the yips. I don't know. Um, He could have, if he had decided, Hey, I'm going to sit out because I'm a huge distraction right now. That might've been the right move. Now asking an 18, 19 year old kid to do that is probably unrealistic. Um, But just one of the things I was thinking about, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's really a situation that we haven't seen much like it here with a, a player of this profile as well. Um, so ultimately, like Alabama still has a few games left in the regular season. They'll have the SEC tournament. They've got the inside track at a one seed right now in the NCAA tournament. Like, how do you think this all plays out from a couple of different angles? Like, does Brandon Miller play in every game the rest of the way, barring injury? And how many games is that for Alabama? Like, is this going to end up being too big of a distraction for them to ultimately reach their ceiling, which was a national championship this year. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot, Ty. Uh, I think he will continue to play because I don't know when the heat is going to be turned any higher than it was last night. Um, Like if he didn't sit out that South Carolina game, when would he? South Carolina, by the way, has sucked all year. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a game where Alabama was favored by 17. So if there's a game to hold him out, you want to do the Coach K thing where you want (laughs) to punish a guy um, and hold him out for one game against a really Grayson, bad opponent. sit out. Exactly. You can sit right. this one. Yeah. So an indefinite suspension that ends up being one game against a terrible team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have done that. I think if he played against South Carolina, given that the stuff leaked the day before the game and that they should have won anyway, I don't think the school is going to tell him to sit. Um, that, that decision would probably have to come from him. Um, so I do think he's going to play. But the flip side of that is I think it is a huge cloud over their season and they needed overtime to beat a South Carolina team that has really struggled this year. I think they're in the two hundreds of net and Ken Palm. They're not very good. Now watching that game, it's kind of 
kind of weird and doesn't make sense that they've been so bad this year because they've got dudes like Gigi Jackson's really good and Michi Johnson was good last night. Uh, Jacoby White was good last night, but they've been really bad for the balance of this season. And we talk about how impressive Brandon Miller was last night, scoring over half of Alabama's points. Where where was everybody else? Yeah. You know, and I th- I actually think they were more affected by it than he was. He yeah. seemed to use all, all the outside noise as fire. Where where was the rest of the team? Uh, and Seth Greenberg, who was on the call, mentioned that he went to Alabama shoot around and it was quiet um, and kind of you know low key, which is different for Alabama. Usually they've got music pumping and it's high energy and everyone's juiced up. That wasn't the case for this one. And, it, and then you just start to wonder, when are they going to get that back? Will they get that back? Are his teammates going to resent him for getting involved in something like this that has cast a pall over this incredible season? So I think I think it's really bad news for Alabama from a basketball perspective, which, again, is secondary in all this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that they can get by this and, and hit their ceiling, which, again, is a national championship. Yeah. It's really, really unfortunate. But again, there, like you mentioned, there's bigger things involved here. Yeah. And uh, obviously our, our thoughts and, and our prayers are with the the victims in this case. I All right. Let's get off of the the dark stuff here. All right. All right let's get into it. Like, because this has been an awesome college basketball season, yeah, even no, though there have been a couple off court controversies, whether it's Chris Beard, whether it's New Mexico State and now this with it with the Alabama program. It's been a hell of a season so far. Um, but you, sir, as a proud member of the ACC Network, you're not doing your job, it seems like, because <laughs> you're not carrying the water for these coaches. I mean, Jeff Capel has, had a message for you the other day saying that you're not doing enough. Mick Cronin um, is saying that the conference is all these different conferences aren't doing enough for their teams. Uh, and that's why UCLA wasn't getting enough respect. So uh, I've got you, you've got a message for the haters, I think, that you need to deliver right now. First of all, Mick Cronin. <laughs> Uh, take that up with your conference, buddy. Uh, and I know they're going to the Big Ten, so congratulations. BTN does an amazing job, and those guys carry more water than anybody. So good for good for Mick Cronin going to the Big Ten Network. But nobody watches Pac-12 Network. We all know that. Um, so nobody has Pac-12 problem. Network. <laughs> nobody even can. Can't watch, watch what it. you can't find. They might be pumping UCLA, and just no one has seen it. So yeah. I don't even think Mick Cronin has access. Only to the the deep uh, the Reddit streamers. They they're the ones that have the access right there. Right. I don't think the Reddit and, streamers are carrying a lot of water for these coaches. Yeah, and the degenerate gamblers who need to like <laughs> sprinkle on you know ASU Cal. But here's the thing. So Jeff Capel says that and. I am not like a face or a voice of ACC Network by any means, but I do feel like I've been carrying the water for the conference. <laughs> I, re- I really do. Uh, I went on a show in Syracuse with our mutual friend, Brian Higgins, and I was like, I don't get it. How is Pitt on the bubble? They're in first place in the ACC. Like the ACC doesn't suck that much. Uh, and I just, I think there is a narrative tie that the ACC is awful this year. And I just don't understand it because that's what everybody said last year. And then we got to March Madness and the ACC was the best conference in the country. And I I don't I, I do not subscribe to the Jim Beheim theory that March is the only thing that matters. I think a lot of it depends on matchups and, you know, you're playing teams with 36 hours to prep and it's crazy and emotions are high. I get that. But it's either that or the non-conference schedule. So two months ago at this point mm-hmm. that we're going to base if we're going to talk about conference strength. Like, that's what we have to go with because they only play each other in January, February, and early March with the exception of, like, an SEC Big 12 challenge here and there. Um, But I 
kind of understand why Jeff Capel is annoyed with the national media. Mm-hmm. But, dude, don't point the finger at ACC Network because every time I watch or every time I'm on ACC Network, we're talking about what a great story Pitt is and how are they a nine seed, according to Joey Brackets. That doesn't seem to make much sense. That's what we do on ACC Net. We're a propaganda wing for the conference, and I'll <laughs> freely admit that. So I don't know where that came from. You know, I look at the, the Ken Palm stuff here, and it, this is the thing that I don't get. And Ken Palm does their their conference rankings too. So the ACC right now is seventh. All right. For what's supposed to be a power five conference, the ACC is ranked seventh right now. Listen, the mountain West has had uh, a good little run this year. They've had some good teams. Um, Here's the one I don't get. How, how can you definitively say that the PAC 12 is better than the ACC? Like that's a conference that's going to have two tournament teams Barring someone making a, a miracle run out in Vegas in a couple weeks, two tournament teams, and they think that they're a better conference than the ACC. Get out of here with that. I know. That's what doesn't make sense. And so those Ken Palm rankings, and you know I love Ken Palm. Like that's you introduced been, me to Ken Palm. I know. I've been I've been on Ken Palm train since we were freshmen in college, and even before that. And that Ken but, Palm, he makes a lot of money. That <laughs> Kenny Palm. Uh, so here's the deal. Like Ken Palm, I love it, but those rankings are based on an adjusted margin. For, and that's how Ken Palm ranks his teams. It's like pace adjusted, opponent adjusted, margin of victory against an average team, right? So mm-hmm. he's looking at an average team that would go 500 in a conference. What is their Ken Palm rating? And so the Big 12 blows everyone out of the water. And then after that, you've got the other quote-unquote power conferences. Then the Mountain West, and there's the ACC. And I think the the problem with those rankings is if, like, Louisville loses to Bellarmine in non-conference, then the entire conference is screwed because then everyone has to play Louisville, and that tanks their Ken Palm rating. And same thing for Net, by the way. Net does the, the same exact thing. So, like, Louisville's horrendous. Then Pitt plays Louisville. And if they don't beat them by 50, then Pitt looks bad. Pitt looks like they'd be the worst team in the Big Ten. So those conference rankings, to me, don't hold really any weight, in, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I, I, well, I'm going straight eye test, baby. And Pitt's good. Like, yeah. Good. I look at it, too. Like, okay, so the Pac-12 has 10 teams. The ACC's got 15 teams. You're talking about taking a, a team in the 500 level or the middle of that conference, like, for the ACC, you're taking team seven or eight. For the Pac-12, you're taking team number five, two. And maybe right. maybe I have this wrong mathematically, but at least it, it makes sense in my head, all right? Yeah, right. It's a team that would go 500 in conference play. So, yeah, they'd be right in the middle of the pack of the standings. And by the way, like Virginia Tech, would you rather have Virginia Tech or let's take a team in the middle of the Pac-12 standing? Washington State. Dude, Virginia Tech could win the Pac-12, maybe. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. I feel <laughs> Especially like if it's crazy, played in November. Right. Yeah, Virginia Tech loves November. Um, but, like, also, you look at Ken Palm. I think Miami is 29 right now when I checked last night, and that's the highest-ranked yeah. ACC team. Like, come on. I Again, love Ken Palm, but at a certain level, we have to separate this and be like, Miami is better than the 29th best team in the country. They were in the Elite Eight last year. They're better this season. And whether or not you think they're the best team in the ACC, this conference has at least three teams that are worthy of top 25 consideration. So the, the metrics, if you if you suck in non-conference play, you're just screwed for the rest of the season. Yeah. 
It really, it really sucks that that some of these metrics that you're beholden. And honestly, like I think you and I are on the same page on this. Non-conference play doesn't mean jack. Like, I know. It does, especially especially now, dude. Like, yeah, Pitt, half more than half of Pitt's team is new. Like, they I know they're super old. Their starting five is older than the Thunder's starting five, but they're all new to playing with each other. Mm-hmm. So you expect them to come out light the world on fire in November? No way! Like you cannot tell me that Pitt now is the same team that it was three months ago. And that's why I go back to last year's NCAA tournament and say that should matter. Like Carolina and Duke are kind of iffy this year. Obviously, UNC is is kind of a disaster, mm-hmm. but those two teams were in the Final Four. Like Miami yeah. was in the Elite Eight, and they came from this horrible, awful, no good, very bad ACC. I just don't buy it, and, and I think I expect the same thing to happen this year. Depending on how many teams get in, I feel like the ACC is going to really perform above expectations in March. So, okay, right now, when you look at the ACC, how many teams do you think can theoretically get second weekend, maybe even get to the Elite Eight? Well, I think... Definitely Virginia and Miami are up there for me. I've liked them the entire season. I also think Duke is really scary. Like, I would not want to play them. Right. Um, now that Lively is playing the way he is, Proctor's really good. I think Duke is super scary. Clemson has obviously fallen off a cliff. Uh, but NC State is great. I mean, they, they, win they, last scored night. 90, they scored 90 plus against Wake Forest last night. Wake Forest is another team who I think should be in tournament consideration. They won't be because everyone thinks the ACC sucks. Wake Forest is pretty good. Like, they've got a couple amazing transfers. And, again, that's the same thing. It's like Jim Beheim said that all these teams in the ACC bought a team, which, you know, he <laughs> walked back like 17 different times in the media. Really, as it relates to this conversation, those teams are completely composed of transfers, you know, for the most part. Miami has a couple guys returning, but they also yeah. supplemented with transfers. And so to judge them – in the first two weeks of the season is completely unfair. Uh, and I, I really think like Pitt is tough as nails, dude. Like Pitt could easily make the sweet 16, in my opinion. And yeah. I would love if they did. And I would love Jeff and Jason Capel to go, like bring Jason to the post-game press conference because that guy feels disrespected more than anyone and, and come out and look right at like Andy Katz, look right at Joe Lenardi and say, how do you like us now? How you do know, you like we- the- we we've been making fun of uh, like Georgia a lot and, and Travis Kelsey a lot Georgia football and Travis yeah. Kelsey about them saying oh like they're on this disrespect tour even though everyone and their mother picked Georgia to right. to be the number one team this year and win the national championship and you've got Patrick freaking Mahomes on your team too like obviously you're gonna be favored almost all the way to getting to the Super Bowl and the disrespect tour but like. Pitt actually has a case. If they were to yes, go out and go full like wrestler WWE style, like <laughs> in, in a press conference with Jeff and Jason Capel, like I'd be like, all right, I can yeah. actually get behind this one. <laughs> I, I buy that. Absolutely. And I'll probably be one of the few people who has Pitt like in my elite eight. Cause I just, <laughs> I love the story and I, I'm an ACC Homer, Jeff Capel. I hope you're listening. I'm an ACC Homer. Yeah. Well, hope that water's not too uh, uh, heavy that you carry there for for the pit program. Um, yeah. Real quick, before we get on out of here, I think the one interesting team, though, in the ACC is North Carolina, because I think that's where you draw the line 
of legitimacy where, okay, maybe the name on the front is getting them a little bit further than they should be still without a quad or maybe they did they pick one up last night with uh, the win against Notre Dame. It was not a quad. Notre Dame's horrible. It's like a quad. That would have been like a quad quad three three loss. loss. Okay. So a a Notre Dame, they go out and beat Notre Dame last night, but this is a team that for a preseason AP number one, has accrued the most losses of any team in history with 11. They're 17 and 11 right now, nine and eight in the conference, and they have lost five of their last seven. What's the deal with uh, with this North Carolina team where you know you've got two of your last three coming against Virginia and Duke, and then you go into the ACC tournament? Yeah, I still think they have a chance to get in, as crazy as it sounds. Um, if they win one of those two, Virginia and Both Duke- at home, too. Yeah, right. So if they win one of those two, they've got a must win at Florida State. Florida State has had a, a pretty rough season. Um, they kind of turned around an ACC play, but Carolina needs that one. Same thing as last night against Notre Dame. And Ty, they had 19 points at halftime at Notre Dame. They made five shots. This is a Carolina team to me that, unlike last season, is actually getting worse as the season progresses. Um, last year, they kind of found their stride. The two wins over Duke were the headliners, but they were playing pretty good basketball down the stretch. Uh, This team is completely the opposite. I would be very surprised if they won one of those two games against Virginia or Duke, and if they made the tournament. If they don't win against UVA or Duke, I think they need to actually win the ACC tournament to get in. I think you're right. Um, and Which is crazy, but it's just disappointing. And it's like, how does this happen? I mean, you have four guys back from a team that I think legitimately was the second best team in the country by the end of last season. Like yeah. there was nothing fluky yeah. about them. Maybe even the first, they may Absolutely. have been the best team in the country Absolutely. by the end of last season. Yeah, they were up a ton at halftime. So it's just weird. It's disappointing. I think there's probably an aspect of the disease of more. You've got guys like Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott being told they're basically an NBA team for an entire off season. And then they come out and they start to think it and then they get popped in the mouth and that's what happened. And it's going the wrong direction right now. Last year is going in the right direction. Not this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they have a chance, but I, I ultimately don't think they're they're going to get in. So, all right, so Drew Carter, ACC Network and ESPN. You can check them out. What game you got this weekend? We've got, oh man, it all blends together. Actually, two, Oklahoma State, Kansas State Saturday, and Love then it. Tulsa, UCF on Sunday. A little double dip. Awesome. Well, we will be watching. Appreciate you taking some time, and we'll do it again. We can rehash some of the roommate stories a little bit further. (laughs) Zoom only gives us 40 minutes, though. I know. Everyone's trying to figure out how we turned off an entire radio station, (laughs) so we'll do that next time. Thanks, bud. All right, that's Drew Carter. You can follow him on Twitter at Drudel25, at D-R-E-W-D-L-E-2-5, if you want to get any of his college hoops and more insight there. Does fantastic stuff with ESPN and the ACC Network, and hopefully we have him on again sometime soon. Love my conversations with Drew, always one of my best friends from college there. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. We will be back next week recapping what should be a stellar week of college basketball, and hey, we're that much closer now to Selection Sunday, just a couple of weeks away now, and we've got Champ Week right around the corner too. The Big Ten Tournament is in Chicago. Hopefully, we'll have some great content for you along the ride there as well. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff, and we'll talk to you guys next week.